You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams, and I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand cast, the muskie. Go Wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. I want to welcome all of you to this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast and this episode of The Journey. We really appreciate you taking time to tune in and listen to us. And in this episode, we're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to talk about dogs. We're going to talk about problem solving. We're going to talk a little bit about everything. It's just straight dog talk. One of the things that we got into and we touched on, and I want to make sure we give um, full credit here to a houndsman from Texas, a coyote hunter 
named Shannon Raska. Shannon posted something on his timeline here a while back, and it was a quote, and it stuck with me. And the quote was, work on the dog and the dog gets better. Work on yourself and all the dogs get better. So while we are going to talk about dog problems, we're going to dive into how important it is for us to step back and work on ourselves as well as houndsmen. And uh, it's a great conversation. If you guys haven't been paying attention, I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit here. Man, we got a lot of cool stuff going on out there. We've got the uh, marketplace for all our Houndsman XP gear. Outer Agenda is cranking out the design work. And um, we've got everything over there from Hound Brain to Logo Wear. But you go to our website at houndsmanxp.com and click on the shop tab there. It's going to take you right into our Redbubble Marketplace. And Seth is working hard with uh, Derek from Outer Agenda to get good, current, and uh, fun stuff out there where you can represent. I also want to give a shout out to Lauren for all of her work over on social media. She's keeping us posted on stuff, but uh, it's it's all good, folks. She did a great job designing this website. We're hoping you're enjoying it. It's going to continue to expand. We're expanding to YouTube. Houndsman XP is on a roll. And we want to make sure that you're coming with us. And one way you can do that is by going to our website at houndsmanxp.com. Click the support tab and join us on Patreon. Seth is working his tail off over there with all kinds of bonus material. We, we made all of that stuff public in September so that you could see what's going on over there. We also rolled out a big announcement and a partnership with Sportsman's Alliance. When you join us on Patreon at the truck to tree dog level... You're going to get all the exclusive content. You're going to be eligible for all of the drawings all year long. Those prize packages alone are $100 a month. It's uh, $250 for the semi-annual drawing and up to $1,000 for the annual drawing. Then you put the Sportsman's Alliance membership on top of that. You're getting representation for, from the longstanding advocacy group for hound hunters. They set the bar, they set the standard, and a great organization. So you're going to get that membership. You're going to get The Advocate, which is their magazine, a quarterly magazine. You're going to get email updates on what's going on and how we are being attacked and what you can do to stand up and get involved and stand in the gap for hunting freedom in the United States of America. On top of that, they're going to send you a two-knife set and some other cool stuff. So... Houndsman XP gear, it's all there, folks. I mean, we're trying to make the best value we can for our Patreon supporters. And I just want to take a second here and talk about what that Patreon support means to me as the founder of Houndsman XP. When I started this podcast, I wanted a voice for Houndsman. I wanted to entertain you. I wanted to have fun with this thing. But the main reason that this podcast was started, because I saw a deficit throughout my professional career, I saw that houndsmen were not represented at the table with game managers, with legislators. We were always getting kicked in the teeth and treated like second-class citizens when it came to wildlife management laws, rules, uh, plans, whatever it was. And I wanted to change that. And we have had several people step up to the plate and drive their stake in the dirt 
and draw the line in the sand and say, hey, we are too. And that's how I view our Patreon supporters, people who have stepped up to the plate and said enough is enough. We're going to stand our ground. We're going to stand in the gap. We're going to fight the good fight until we can't fight it anymore. And partnerships with organizations like Sportsman's Alliance, man, that is huge. It's going to give us some teeth there. So join us on Patreon. Go to houndsmedxp.com. If you need gear, shop from our sponsors first because they have put their company name on the line and said they are willing to stand up for this too and they deserve your support so thank you to all of our sponsors shop there also shop in our red bubble store our marketplace all that stuff helps us keep this show coming we love to be entertaining we like to have fun but at times we have to step up and talk about the tough stuff and we appreciate every one of you that is willing to hang in there with us and listen to how we can all come together, be a collaborated voice, unified voice for the future of our hunting freedoms. Thank you for listening to the Houndsman XP podcast. I hope you will consider putting your name on the rolls with other extreme performance houndsmen over on Patreon and helping us in this quest to secure our hunting freedom. That's a wrap for this pre-roll. Let's get into this podcast. On today's journey, we are going to talk dogs. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, the journey's about making us better, making our hounds better, making the experience hunting better. And, man, have I struggled with that the last month, month and a half. So today I have the founder, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Chris Powell riding in the co-host chair. How's everything oh, up your way this morning, Chris? The weather is cooled off. I just got back from Virginia this week, bear hunting. And I'm in the same boat with you, man. I, I tell you, it's uh, we need to solve some problems. Yeah, golly. <laughs> Problem solving. <laughs> a pitchfork and a fire couldn't fix it on my end, that's for sure. <laughs> You've been catching bear. You been ca- you catch bear every time you go. Uh, not every time, but I, yeah, um, I don't want to get into the logistics of the pack because that's another whole another whole episode. But you know, I really got to spend some time with just my dogs and broke down some things, some pieces that I'm missing, some things that I want. You know, my expectations are high, uh, and everybody should be. And that, that's something we're going to talk about on today's episode. But I want to go back and I want to uh, give everybody an update on the uh, the supplement that I've been using from Olivier, the uh, One TDC, the joint supplement. Is that company, isn't that company, it's called Work So Well, right? Work, work So Well, yeah. 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 Um, and it's on our, it's on our show notes. Uh, if you guys try to buy the product... Mm-hmm. You can go to it and put the Houndsman XP 15 and get a discount. So it's been several podcasts ago. I know you guys were heard me say that I was going to start giving it to one of the old dogs. So I've got an old dog here named Mac that has. Hey, can I can I say can I say something real quick about that that deal? Yep. So yeah, we. I think this is important for everybody to know. Um, we're not getting paid from 
work so well to sponsor the product. Mm-hmm. We told Olivier, um, I told him, I said, hey, man, we, we want to work with this stuff for a while and see if we like it. Uh, and that's what I try to do. I've done that with every sponsor for the show. It's stuff that I I would use myself. So I don't want anybody to be confused and thinking that we're just plugging it because they're giving us money. Mm-hmm. He sent us some product. We said we'd try it. And I told him we'd be harsh, harsh critics <clears throat> about and, and really look at it and evaluate it uh, before we ever talked about bringing him on as a sponsor. So I wanted to make sure that we had that out there before anybody got the wrong idea. Yeah, no, he's, um, he seems really genuine. Um, I've had several conversations. Uh, one of the things that really, you did a, pod, you did a podcast with him. What if you remember what episode that was? I mean, that was one of my favorite, the guy, the guy's just easy to listen to. You can tell he's, he knows what he's talking about. I it's don't. a few journeys ago. It's a few yeah. episodes ago in the journey. Yeah, I, and I don't. Um, but, you know, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, whatever. And, you know, he texted me and checked on me. I guess Lauren had told him that I I was down. And I thought, you know what, that's you know, that's pretty cool that, that yeah. you know, he's he's checking in. But back to the product. So yeah. <clears throat> I got a, an older dog here that's got some a joint. He broke his leg when he was six. He limps on that leg. Um, that's the one that Olivier and I started talking about. And Olivier's like, you know, he th- put it on topically and then give him two pills, um, kind of jumpstart him and then knock it – or three pills and then knock it down to two. Exactly what I did. And, guys, I'm telling you, um, two days, two days after implementing this and giving him this supplement, I saw almost immediate results. Now, did the limp go away? No, it did not. But he was not dragging. He was not um, limping near as bad. He was covering ground a little bit quicker. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'll. I mean, I'm still a little skeptical. <clears throat> so sure. anyway, um, I continue to use, and I, I'm still giving him the product. And you know, he, he's. I usually just use this dog just to start tracks. That's it. I don't care if he makes a race. Have no no desire to make a race. I rig him and let him rig the tracks and then I'll put my young dogs down or I'll get it, get it started with him. So I'm kind of using him as a, I mean, he's kind of a fill in for me. He's, he's getting everything started. And then, so I've used him a lot that way. Um, I've used him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I got him, when I drove around over there in the mountains, I was like, put him on my truck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen instant results, like I said, two days, so now I'm giving it to, um, let's see, one, two, three, four. I'm giving it to six dogs now. And um, most of my dogs, the oldest one I'm giving it to other than him is a six-year-old. Um, I'm giving it to Pino, which is my service dog. I don't see any change in Pino, but, again, I didn't see any issues to be doing it. So hopefully his you know, his joints were getting lubricated and the teeth problem. You know, I did put it on his gums to start with. And I mm-hmm. give it to to Spook and Kate. And then I had a dog um, get beat up pretty bad a couple weeks ago. Um, and it was in his front shoulder. So I started giving him the product. And he's just, he's just, he just now turned two. Like, he just turned into. Um, and I started giving him the product. And <coughs> as bad as a, bad as he got it, 
like the heel time, and I've not put him back in the woods yet because it was it's been it was a pretty it was a pretty good. Um, yeah, he was a wreck. Yeah, um, but as far as in the pen and in the yard, like his recovery time looked. I mean, it, it looked like almost like it was in half. Um, so the the product I have seen results. Olivier did tell me that you're going to see it in your older dogs. Um, you're going to see that almost instant result in your older dogs. Your younger dogs, you're probably not going to tell. That's exactly what I'm seeing with the product. I know mm-hmm. that uh, I know Lauren's using it, and I know a good friend of mine took it to. Uh, he bought a case of it and took it to Maine, and I've talked to him a couple times, and he says that it feel it seems like to him that the recovery time for him has been cut in half. So, guys, you know, try the product if you wish. Like I said, you can go to worksowell.com and and try. Well, I'm using it. it on. I'm using it on three dogs here. Yeah, I knew you had. You were trying. You were yeah. going to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I saw uh, results in Jazz. Jazz is going to be eight. Um, and I just noticed after this last litter of pups, I just felt like she was losing a few steps. And she's she's had a lick yet, so. Um, She's not positive right now, but but I think it still affects her in the warmer weather. But um, I started her on it, and then of course uh, I've got I've got some for the wife's dogs, you know, Roxy the boxer and mm-hmm. Axel the pit bull. Axel's had joint problems and different things. He's not very old. Uh, he broke his leg as well, and um, but man, I've been putting miles on them, and I've seen it. Uh, big difference especially in jazz when i first started working her and roading her you know she was doing everything she could to keep up with the side by side when i was roading them and uh and now she's she's running you know she's running so uh, i think it's a combination of weather it's cooled off so that that's a side effect of having a lakia is not being able to tolerate hot weather mm-hmm. but um I've also seen recovery time. I used it. I used it. Um, been using it. Hunted hard three days this week, and uh, every dog was ready to get back on the truck the next day. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, like I said, I, I've seen the same, pretty much the same results, and um, <clears throat> you know, the downtime seems like it's cut in half. Uh, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm. I'm Pleasantly surprised. Let's use that. Let's say that I'm pre- pleasantly surprised about the results that I've seen because I'm not a big. Um, I mean, I've tried a lot of different supplements. I've tried a lot of different things over the years, and it just seems like mm-hmm. um, most of the time it seems like it's a. You know, you watch Andy Griffith, and it's the old, uh, the 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 recipe. Yeah, the guy that's selling the the elixir. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. He's, and he's selling it, and everybody's. Everybody's feeling good, but um, you know, but I, I, that's kind of what I think about when I think about supplements, right. and I know they're important. Yeah, snake oil, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know yep. that yep. it's important that we keep our dogs healthy. Like I said, I've tried a bunch of different things over the years, and I, I have seen enough results in my dogs to keep. I'm going to keep using this product uh, yeah. because of the results I've seen. Now, can I say that they are? I don't know what to expect, maybe, you know, as far as, you know, they're not going to fix all the elements. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, Mac Mac acts a whole lot different. Um, I've been giving it to the dogs, and I'm running hard. 
and I'm, I don't have the downtime. Like, you know, you put... Well, our time's so short. You know, our time yeah. is so short for either, you know, because of Virginia bear season, what is it, three months you can run dogs on yeah. bear in Virginia? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for me, driving to Virginia, I don't need dogs that can just run one day. Right. I need them that can run <clears> multiple <throat> days. But then you look at the overall... Uh, you know, Jazz, like I said earlier, Jazz is eight years old, and it seems like yesterday I was starting her. And, um, um, you know, so I want to I want to maximize her longevity and her performance and, and everything with with quality feed, with the dogs are hydrated, you know, keeping dogs hydrated, right? And then finding this product as well uh, has been has been pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I- it's helping me accomplish that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, you know, I'll give it to you know Kevin and Nancy. I use the, um, I mean, I use the dogs are hydrated, the um, the glucosamine or not the glucose, but the um, glycerol. Yep. I used it a lot because it was hot um, in August, and it, even up into about mid September, I was you know I was pre doing my dogs just like mm-hmm. um, you know they suggest, and uh, I. I did. I did not have the problems I did last year. Last year I didn't do it as much and took my dogs a long time to get in shape. Uh, the dogs ran a little harder um, when I was using when I used that product. So this year I just well, I mean, me and you both. I mean, when you were here, you were you were baiting your dogs every morning. So yeah, yeah. Yep. So I, I think I, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I've got a yeah. I've got two water jugs in my truck. One says pre workout, another one says post. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah. "What's this mean?" And I'm like, "This is what you give them before, and this is what you give them after." Um, that's right. So, but yeah, I mean, that stuff works. Um, I mean, anything to get a little <laughs> bit of an edge. Um, you know, just I need every edge I can get with the dogs I'm hunting. He, <clears throat> but don't we all? <laughs> I mean, you know, like I said, if my dog, you know, that that thirty extra minutes running, you know, they may catch that bear when it's hot. You know, right? <clears throat> you know, I want my dogs to recoup. Um, like as soon as I get back to the truck, you know, I'm, I'm giving them the maldextrin in the water, um, helping them rejuvenate everything. And I mean, in the next morning, I mean, basically they're ready to go. Now we need yep. to, you know, put this disclaimer out there that if your dogs aren't in shape, that makes a huge difference. You know, they've got to yep. be able to rest and recoup. Um, and when they're not in shape. So anyway, we won't get into the, to the, yep exercising in, in the dog part. I was of trying it. to set you up for a segue there into what we're really going to talk about, about talking about, you know, the, the, the having the advantage for the dog type of dog I'm hunting. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm being nice today. Them <laughs> 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 old, them old grizz skinners. That's what they call them. <laughs> Plot dogs. Uh, you know, again, I'm not colorblind. I don't care. I don't care what color it is. A good dog's a good dog. And I mean, I anybody that that knows what a hound is, you know, they they should. I know everybody's got their own um, type that they like, and you know, I, I started out with plots, and man, if I could own another good one, you know, I'd I'd love to have one. And you know, I I had this conversation, and we'll just kind of get into what we're going to talk about. I had this conversation the other day with um with Wesley, you know. That old blue female that I had, uh, Belle, that was out of Dale Cameron stuff, you know, she's been probably one of my nicest dogs um, that I've owned, and a trail dog. I mean, a, mm-hmm. a in my mind, in my mind, and we'll get to that. 
um, she was a true trail dog. I mean, she took them as they came. She worked them out. She beat them to death, and she she jumped a lot of bear that some of the other the other dogs didn't. Um, she was the type of dog. Was she the type of dog that when you let her off the truck and everybody else was like, you know, let's go find a good one? You're like, nope, and just let her roll. Just and you know, was she that type of dog? She's gonna figure this out. Yeah, She's, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I and I'll tell yeah. you, you know, like I said, get back. We're going the perfect dog. This is what the title <clears throat> of this is: the perfect dog. And guys, you know, I've been training dogs for right at 20 years in the, in the law enforcement side and, and running hounds for 30 years. And there is no perfect dog. There is none. There are some that's more consistent than others. And that's what we're all striving for is that dog that's got that, that consistency. You know, we, you know, you've said it, you know, I've said it, that dog that when you put him on the ground, you pretty much know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. But every once in a while, those dogs, they have some foopas too. I mean, they they can't figure something out or, you know, maybe they get outrun, but there's no such thing as a perfect dog. And so what brought this whole topic up is, <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, while we were hunting, you know, we were ha- you know, we have conversations. I'm sure everybody does, you know. Yeah. We talk about dogs. We talk about life. You know, we, we just talk about stuff in general. And, you know, we were talking about um, dogs of, of, you know, I think we had talked about this before, you know, dogs of, of past. And, you know, I was thinking. The better the better, buddy. Isn't that the truth? <coughs> isn't that the truth? Old, Bel- Old Belk was probably a call and you just, you just having fond memories. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to have, <laughs> I'd like to have a lot full of them. I'll tell you. And I mean, she wasn't my, I mean, she wasn't the dog that caught all my bear. It was, it was ring, you know? Yeah. But Belle was such a pleasure to hunt. Um, and I mean, you could rig her. She didn't rig the the tracks that ring would rig. Um, but you could rig her. You could put her down on the ground. You could free cast her. You could hunt that dog any way you wanted to hunt her. You know, the difference between her and ring is when you free casted ring, he gone. He checked mm-hmm. out of the country. I mean, he you competition guys would love him because you drop him loose, next thing you know, you heard him two mountains over treed. It's like, dude, like, you can't do that. Not, not, not the style of hunting that I was doing at the time, and I don't like it now either, honestly. Um, yeah. But that, that's just, that was his style. You know, you could follow behind Belle and the stories. With her and Frosty, um, my, old, my, first, my first real dog that would tree bear um you know the stories that they told me you know that's what intrigued me about about hunting is those dogs could pick up an odor of an animal that had been through where i had walked and i had no knowledge of it that's what intrigued Mm -hmm. me that's what that's what led me into the the lifestyle that i have today and following behind you know a couple of those dogs you know i learned a lot about hunting. I learned where the bear lived, you know, where they fed, where they bedded, you know, where they spent the majority of their time. And a lot of that was attributed to Frosty and Belle, the dogs that, you know, that I could literally walk behind when they were trailing. And, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and it took me a long time as a young kid then, you know, my early twenties, I had no clue what was going on. None. And then, you know, an old timer, 
had started talking to me and kind of mentoring me. And, you know, one of the things that he had told me when it comes to dogs, he had told me this saying, and today I still, it still rings in my head. When my dog's doing something that aggravates me or embarrasses me, this is what I tell myself. And this is what he told me 20 years ago. He's like, Heath, he's like above and beyond all else. Be true to thyself. If that dog's running deer, he's running deer. If that dog's doing a good job, he's doing a good job. You cannot grow your pack or your dogs if you're not honest about what they're doing. And when he told me that, you know, back then, you know, it didn't mean a whole lot. Okay, this 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 old timer's telling me this, and okay, it is what it is. But as I got as I've gotten older and as I've handled more dogs, it's a it's a fact. Dogs are dogs. They have a mind of their own. And they're going to do what they want to do. So if my dog runs deer, all right, I'll get it. I'll fix it. Not a big deal. I used to get so bent out of shape. I mean, possums. When I was competition hunting my walker dog, possums were my nemesis. And I used to get so bent out of shape, bent out of shape over my dog's And he was a night champion. And going in there and and slamming a possum in the edge of a field, cornfield or something. How many cats did you lose because you treated possum on a night champion cast? Several. (laughs) I mean, I I can't, I probably can't count them on one hand. I mean, several. Um, And I used to get so bent out of shape about it. And then, you know, 10 years, 10 years after that, I'm like, all right, well, they're tree and game. That's better than running deer. You know, (laughs) like I, you know, my mindset changed and, you know, whatever, and, you know, I've, I learned how to fix those things. I learned how to fix some of those issues, and um, I don't I don't stress over them like I used to. Well, I think one of the things that um, motivated me to want to do this podcast with you was, you know, going back to Wesley again. You know, I was sitting there, and I was talking to him one day, and he's like, you know, sometimes after I listen to podcasts, it makes me want to come home and Mm-hmm. and clean out the kennel because you guys are hunting these great dogs and and i've i've tried to i've tried to be very honest about what i'm hunting i'm the quality of dogs that i'm hunting right now especially uh for bear are not the types of dogs that i would that i'm satisfied with i'm not satisfied uh-huh. i think there's a lot of work to be done there and and um uh, uh, but I, I go through the same things, you know, I, I hunted three days this week and, and, uh, Virginia and I didn't catch a bear. Uh, you know, I've got problems with, with these dogs that, that I need to rectify. And, but, but the thing is you got to keep, you got to keep, there isn't anything, there isn't anything terminal, you know, where, uh, their calls. One of my biggest problems is, is I don't, I don't trust my dogs um to be running the intended game and i think a lot of that is because i haven't focused you know i know that when there's no doubt in my mind that that when i'm hunting with certain people i can trust their dogs that's all they do is they bear hunt their dogs They, they broke them off the other game and i know there's dogs out there i've hauled these calls all over them united states hunting everything from hogs to mountain lions i mean they are trashy and i've and i've got to check and i've got to make sure that and i you know and i gotta watch garments and i gotta know how a bear runs 
and know the difference between the way a bear runs and the way a coyote runs and and stuff like that you know it's it's um I, and i haven't coyote hunted them but i'm not convinced that they won't burn one up if they get the opportunity it's nothing if they've been in the box for four or five hours then i'm not convinced and i'm i've got to do some i've got to do some extinction training yeah once this coyote season opens up and um uh, make sure that, that I'm not running coyotes off the rig. Well, you know, the coyotes are, are a nemesis for me. Um, I'm pretty sure that Spook caught one uh, the last day of the early season because he was out of pocket from everybody else, and um, the other three ended up uh, treed, uh Kate and Houdini and Hart, and then two, two of Ben's dogs. <clears throat> they um, ended up treed around the end of the mountain. Uh, and they had got in with some other guys' dogs. So there was there was eight eight or nine dogs at that tree, but he was out of pocket. But uh, you coyote hunters, if you guys could tell me why a dog wants to run another dog, I'd love to know. Because maybe it would be easier to break them off them stinking things for us. Um, like I said, don't have it happen a lot. You know, it's two or three times a year for me. It's not like you said. Yeah. It's not it's not detrimental, but it's aggravating. <clears throat> Um, especially... I just want that dog. I just want that dog when they open on the rig, that that I, I'm positive and I'm confident that there's only one thing, and that's why I threw Jack on the truck. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got when I forget how he, he ended up on my truck, but I hauled him around because I was like, okay, if if he barks, yep, then I know we're gonna run a bear. Yeah, and I mean, even you know, even I, I think we had this conversation too with. Um, with the group, you know, a couple of times, uh, my dogs had opened on the rig and I wouldn't turn them loose. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it ain't right. And you know, it ain't right. I'm like, listen, and Spook has a, he has an angry, angry bark, um, when it's a coyote. Like I can tell you now when he's on the ground, <clears throat> it's a little different when he's running. Um, but when he's on the truck and that, when he comes out with that growl bark, it's not right, and I'm not cutting him loose. Um, he, he just has a completely different tone about him, a different demeanor about him. Um, and I'm like you, you know, when my dogs open, like my 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 end goal would be when they open, it's a bear. <laughs> no mm-hmm. questions asked, not no, you know, I don't have to sit there and determine what tone he's in, what bark he's using. I like it when my dogs open, it's a bear, and that's what we're going to run. And the dogs, you know, they go on, but, <clears throat> but yeah, so we had several conversations, you know, during season and, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, dogs and dogs in general and, and being perfect. And, you know, one of the things in my canine training, and I'm going to revert this back to the hound world, because I think if we all take a step back and look in the mirror, I mean, and that's how we assess things, you know. There's what they say. If you're pointing two fang- one finger out, there's two pointing back at you. You know. Uh, if you're a four finger guy, that's right. If you're usually it's one finger point. You got three pointing back at yeah. you for most people. That's right. So you know that's one of the things I try to do with myself. I try to step back and say, okay, where am I at? And what am I mind doing? But so <clears throat> one of the things that I have seen throughout, especially in my canine career, is that. There is such different opinions on on dogs, and when I look at the hound side of it, it's even double. It's even it's triple. You know, 
what what I see and what I'm evaluating, you know, is not what, you know, Chris, you're seeing, is not what Wesley's seeing. And I know yeah. that Cameron, in his podcast, he said when they're doing the cognitive testing and when they're testing dogs, they have three people in separate places evaluating those dogs because that way they can't confer with each other and say, okay, I see that now, or no, I don't see that. And, right. you know, that's one of the things that it amazes me. And I don't know if it's um, the experience level. I don't know if it's a knowledge level. And when I think about it as, well, even in the, in the law enforcement world, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot because I see it, you know, you know, you take a dog out there to, to, to man track. I mean, this is something that's important. I mean, that dog needs to, he needs to find this person. It's probably a high, it's a high risk situation anyway. And you take, you know, you take old Ace out there and all right, and you just let it, you know, you start doing it and you're thinking, you know, that dog in training is not very reliable. He struggles, but yet the handler thinks it's the best dog in the world. Mm-hmm. And they they pass certification. Certification is just a minimum standard. It's just saying that right. the dog can perform yeah. X, Y, and Z. Um, and we try to train way above our, our certification because if you don't, your dogs aren't where they need to be. Yeah. And I think, and I thought about, I thought about this a lot with, with the houndsman, um, and myself, you know, when you, well, let me, let me throw, let me throw something in there to give some, yep. maybe some relevance to what we're talking about. You know, think about, think about when you went and got your driver's license and the test you took, the driving test you had to take to get your driver's license. You know, that's, that's a very minimum standard. And if you're still driving that after, like that after you've been driving for 20 years, you haven't you haven't you haven't improved your ability. Mm-mm. You know, Dale Earnhardt didn't drive like doesn't drive a car, didn't drive a car like you drove. You know, it takes time and it takes experience and it takes, you know, sometimes bad experiences and good experiences, <clears throat> but having the ability to step back and truly evaluate and be honest with yourself, going back to what you said. And and Heath, this is the thing that, that I've I've thought about a lot is houndsman. This podcast has always tried to the journey, especially, has been set up to increase our resources to learn, mm-hmm. to to you know bring in some of those other folks out there that are you know, doing things with different types of dogs, but it's all comes back to what we can do with our hounds because houndsmen are terrible about standing around the tailgate and sharing what's known as tribal knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this tribe that's, that's sitting on a desert Island somewhere, they may not even know there's electricity out there, you know, and they're trying to figure out all kinds of things, but they don't have the expanded knowledge and what, what, we always wanted to do with this is not sound like elitist, like, Oh, you don't know what you're, you know, you don't know about sin or you don't understand dog behavior. It's about exposing you to other resources out there so you can be better and you can, you can become the Dale Earnhardt of the hound world. That's, that's what I always, always enjoyed and, and why I always wanted to produce a podcast. Uh, It's not that I've, I've got perfect dogs in my kennel. It's that I'm always looking I want to share share my experience and my resources with all of us so we can all be better. Right. 
and you know, Chad even said it in your AMA, you know, last week about, you know, you have to have an open mind and you have to be willing to learn. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I go to Richmond at the end of the month and I'll be down there for a week and I, I will be instructing. I'll be um, certifying dogs and I'm also going to be sitting in classes learning what I can learn um, because I'm not going to get don't you even Don't you even learn stuff when, when you're instructing? I do. You know, is your, that's, that was always the thing for me is <clears throat> when I instruct something, it causes me to open my mind and, and see some other possibilities and break out of, you know, that paradigm that I've developed in my own mind. And, and it's, it's valuable to, to share knowledge and things like that. But to think that you've got it all figured out, man, that's because I'm the instructor. So I've got it all figured out or I'm the most senior bear hunter here. So I've got it all figured out that man, that is so that's a fatal mistake for you, for your hounds. You know, you will never get any better with a mindset like that. Well, like I said, you have to, you have to be honest with yourself before you can grow. I mean, that's a, that's a step. That's a part of growth is, um, being able to, to step back and look at it. But yeah, I, I mean, I have, I, Early on, early on in my training with the the dogs, I kind of thought I knew more than everybody else. Um, I've been through the same. I was one of those guys. I was training with a group, and I'm like, man, this this does not, this is not right. This don't make sense. But as I've learned over the years, is they have perfected their craft. The 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 way that they do it, the the way that they use things, they've got it down to to a T. Um, mm-hmm. now there are there different methods out there? Absolutely. But the method they're using, they're pretty darn good at it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, when I started going to the seminar and I've said it on this podcast numerous times, when I started going to seminars, um, back in 13, that's when I was like smacked in the back of the head. It's like, shut up and listen because you don't know nothing. And I, and I don't, I mean, you know, I'm in a small rural community. I mean, you know, we got, we've got a college here, two colleges right here within, five miles each way you drive and you know we're not a metropolis a thriving metropolis we're we're, we're a nice sized town but when you, you have a you have a texas roadhouse we do so, mm-hmm. so that means that yeah see so there you go you got a texas roadhouse <laughs> and an outback yeah. so you're a little step above than a rural community yeah now ryan reiner you got a you got a grocery store but you know they're not too far away buffalo and more that's what we got going on in reiner (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty good too but but what i'm saying is you know when i when i hook up with some friends of mine from los angeles or you know the guys down in florida you know jeff barrett and them lakeland florida that i mean those guys see so many more things than we get to see their call volume is different their deployments are different um and when you sit back and listen to the stuff that they've been through and that they've witnessed and they's like, okay, we did it this way and this didn't work. It about got us killed or it got one of our dogs killed yeah. and we had to change and implement this. You kind of, you kind of taken back and like, gosh, man, I, you know, I don't know nothing and I don't. Um, and that's why I'm always trying to learn. And, you know, I have a sign. I probably said it on this podcast. I've got a, I've got a, um, I had a little plaque made and I put it above my door. And it says ABL. And when you walk out of my office, you see it every time. And it says ABL, always be learning. Because in the job that I'm in, you can always learn something. And I really mm-hmm. feel like with the hounds, you know, 
we can always be learning. There's some little trick, some little something that can make you better, make your hounds better, and make the experience better. So back to the perfect dog. Um, and a good friend of mine up in New York, you know, he was always turning those old dogs loose, always. And we had a conversation, and I'm like, man, like, why Why are you not putting these young dogs down? He goes, I want to catch bear. And I'm like, okay. But what happens when them old dogs get so old they can't do it? And you just let the young dogs rely on the old dogs. And in, in looking at that now, because I thought about this when we thought of, when I thought about this podcast is, you know, he was turning down his most consistent dogs. He wanted to up his chances. He wanted to guarantee that he was going to run and tree game. And you and I had this conversation last week or this week. You know, people can say what they want to say. I enjoy the camaraderie. I I really enjoy him being with the group of the guys that, that I'm with. Not so much sometimes when dogs are running everywhere and everybody's running around like a bunch of idiots. But <laughs> it's about, you know, for me, it's about watching the hounds work, watching them do what they do, and catching game. If you go, it's just, I think it's like, um, you know, Dr. Hall said, you go you go a season and don't catch any game, how long are you going to keep doing it? You know, right? You know, we're, we're going to be like... You know, maybe this is not, you know, Ben was with me, my buddy down from New York, and, man, we made two pretty good tracks um, Tuesday and Wednesday of that early kill season. Uh, We, You know, we walked about 10 miles Tuesday and covered seven miles Wednesday. And I said, Ben, I said, on my bucket list was I was going to hike the Appalachian Trail. When I retired, that was something I was going to do. And I said, after speed walking the Appalachian Trail for two days, I've changed my mind. It's not on my bucket list anymore because it was not. I like fun. it. I bet you. I bet you've walked as many miles on the trail as people that have through hiked it. You know, over the. I. You know, you're probably. I never thought about that, but you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, I was thinking about that this week when I was. Uh, I was walking a big, a big portion of the trail. Uh, a couple, few times this past week. And I've, I've, I've walked the trail in North Carolina, where all Virginia, West Virginia, mm-hmm. all, all of it, you know. And I, I, I was thinking about this this week. I was like, how many miles have I walked on the trail? Have I walked enough miles yet to through to sad through hike it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, now that you've said that over the last twenty plus, well, you know, twenty twenty eight years, I, I would say it's per, it's pretty close. Pretty yeah, close yeah. because I have, I mean, like I said, in that, that one area we hunted last year, I mean, we were on AT every day. Yeah. Every day. Seven miles yeah. this way, seven miles that way. Um, and I know that's well, not a lot of walking for some people, but, you know, it's more than, yeah. you know, more than we like to do sometimes. But Well, like you said, getting back to what you said about <clears throat> the camaraderie, I think we have to look, this is where you can be honest with yourself, too. You know, if you're if you're the guy that that just likes being out there, having all the gear, being involved in the hunt, uh, you know, being able to pack a dog every now and then, you can see that in in hunting groups. You can you can recognize those guys, and maybe there's something holding you back. You got you got work, or for me, it's it's uh, it's geography. You know, mm-hmm. I was hunting with a, a group uh, this past week, and you can see the 
the even the pack dynamic among hunters. You got the guys that they like to be on the radio and they like to talk. They like to talk about where a bear is going, but they won't put their dogs down. You know, um, and then you got the guys that are out there. You can recognize the guys that are bear hunters too, or you know, like the the guys that are going to be at every tree. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of being honest with yourself. Where are you at in your journey as a hunter? You know, for me, when I was 30 years old, I could flat get through the, I could get through the country. Uh, now at 53, I'm slowing down a little bit. I still like to think I can, but honestly, you know, my abilities are dropping off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I've had to readjust the way I think about things too. Um, and it's just, it's not the same. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely law. I mean, I, I've noticed it too. I mean, I, I still go, my dogs are treating their <clears throat> Wednesday and, uh, <clears throat> Wes and hot rod. They were, they had got to the dogs. They were already out to AT and they were just a mile from them when they treed. And I was almost four and mm-hmm. they was like, are you going in there? I was like, my dogs are treated. I'm going to get them. And they're like, That's well, right. Wesley and then Wesley and hot rods in there. And I'm like, "That's all right. I'm going to leave my dogs out. And, um, so being, being, you know, we packed up, walked in there, and they had to wait on us. I mean, they waited on us probably, and it took me probably an hour to get in there where they was at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go. I mean, that's a commitment that I've made to myself and my dogs. You know, if I turn them loose, it's my obligation to go catch them. You know, if they get treed, yeah. it's my obligation to go get them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's and that, and that's a commitment that I've made. <clears throat> but yeah. I want to bring up another yeah. topic that – that was brought up to me this last week, week before last. And, you know, I, I don't know. I struggle with this. This I've got, I got really aggravated, um, during the early kill season. And I don't like, to, I, I, if, if hunting's not fun, if hunting's not fun, then we shouldn't do it. And right. a part of me is the serious person. It's all business. Um, and I've been that way per, a lot of my life. And, you know, when I put it, – it don't matter if it's in the law enforcement side. When I put my dog down, I expect that dog to perform. You know, mm-hmm. when I do it on – when I hunt and I put that dog down, I expect I expect results. Um, and I also take into consideration, are they in shape? Is it hot? Are they, you know, I, I'm not just saying that, you know, when I, when <laughs> I, I put them down – I just thought about something, you know, I I talk about, I talk about not being able to trust dogs, but, um, you know, when I do drop them on the ground, if it's a coyote, I expect them to run the hair off (laughs) until I figure out what it is, you know, that, that is, you know, I'm not going to turn a dog loose. That's going to go out there and turn around and look at me and, and think, uh, you know, be lazy or, or not use your senses. If, if I make a mistake and dump them on junk or whatever, I expect them to do it with gusto. That's right. <laughs> do it like you mean it. That's right. Yep. No, you're yep. right. But, <clears throat> and this, this all turns back, you know, you know and, and I'm going to roll this over to, you know, we're, we're talking about the perfect dog and the lack thereof. But I got really aggravated and I was told, you know, Heath, when you're hunting, like during training season, it was just a couple of us. You was here, you know, there's just, you know, just two or three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, you know, there's a handful of dogs. And that's pretty much it. Um, but, you know, when like the first week of kill season, December rolls around. I mean, people come out of the woodwork. It's like, 
you know, where you been all year? Oh, you know, and I, I get it. Works in the, you know, work, people have responsibilities. I get all that. No, it's not what I'm talking about at all. But I was told that when I'm hunting in a group and there's lots of us there, that I need to drop my standards. And I about fell out of my chair. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, you know, you just need to go along and don't worry about it. And a part of me wants to to do that. Part of me wants to just be happy-go-lucky and, you know, man, let's just have a good time. But the serious side of me wants results. Yep. Um, And I struggle with that within myself. Like when I take that step back and I look in the mirror, you know, I'm, I'm telling myself, okay, so what, what's the issue, you know? And it's, it's the part of, you know, I've been, I've been putting, I've been putting some boot, boot leather in these dogs this month, the last two months. Like I've been off pretty much. Well, I didn't work hardly. I didn't work any in September. <laughs> like I didn't work any. I hunted. Um, August, I kind of let the weather dictate what I was going to do. If it was going to be extremely hot, I worked. And if it didn't, I hunted. And, you know, when I drop those dogs loose, you know, I, I want results. Um, I want to be able to depend on you, Chris, when you turn your dogs loose. I want to be able to say, okay, when Chris's dogs are opening, I'm packing them up. Right. And I, the early kill season, I, I struggled with that. And I got very aggravated. Um, and there's no excuse in it. I mean, I got to do better myself. But, you know, I'm just being honest with myself. You know, be honest yeah. with yourself. You know, what do you, what do you, what are you out here for? We're out here to have a good time, um, and yeah, we want to catch us catch some bear in 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 doing that. And it makes it a lot funner when you when you're successful. Like oh I yeah. Said, I, I go back to what Doctor Hall said, man. If you you hunting two or three three weeks and you're not, you're not catching bear, then you get. And I got discouraged that mid September. Um, I got. I think you were here actually. Um, Maybe, yeah. Uh, we run off the north, and the dog, Kate, run one in there about two and a half hours, three hours by herself, and Wesley ended yep. up catching her off the mountain. And I, every bear that I run after that, they didn't tree. I seen some nice bear. We we had we had a nice bear caught on it. That's the one that hurt one of my dogs, and and you know we seen them crossing the roads, and we seen them going into the north, and we seen them in the cliffs, and they weren't getting treed. And I started yeah. getting very frustrated. Like, come on, man! You know, I know you guys can catch a bear. What's what's the deal? And then, you know, it was, it was about a two week spell of that going. And I was even fussing to Wesley. Wesley's like, Wesley's like, quit, quit being a crybaby. <laughs> That's what he said. You know, and you know, it's just frustrating. I'm like, you know, I know these dogs can catch bear. Why all of a sudden am I not catching them? I'm seeing them, but I ain't catching them. And we were running in some rough country. You, you, you know, you've been in. That's the, because like, that's because the bear were getting legged up too. <laughs> they were definitely they were definitely getting them in shape, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then it seemed like uh, after that two week span went by, and I probably in that two week span we probably seen I don't know four, six, seven, seven, six, seven, eight bear that we did not tree. Um, we've seen them, like I said, we've seen them crossing roads. Yep. We've seen them going yep. underneath the ledges or we had them caught on the ground. And yep. then after that two week period went by, it was like, bam, here we go. I moved to a different location and first day, bam, treat a bear. And I'm like, he's like, there you go. Now you can quit whining. 
I'm like, well, <laughs> what, I mean, what is, what was so different? You know, what was so different? And that's kind of what thought, you know, I got to thinking about, you know, the perfect dog, you know, I'm like you, Chris, my dogs are far, far from what my expectations are. All, every one of them, I can pick out holes and flaws in every one of them. Yep. And, you know, I use them as a pack, just like I was talking about Mac, you know, I use Mac when I want to get my young dog started. I use him to get to get it started and let them go, and that's all. That's 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 his job. That's all he's got to do. That's his job. Yep. yep, yep. He's straight, so I know when he opens that I don't have to worry about it, and I let him get it lined out and let the young dogs take over. You know, um, yeah, I can I can sit here and poke holes in every one of my dogs. I can tell you every one of their flaws, every one of them. Um, and I, and I know what were you getting frustrated? Were you getting frustrated with dogs? Were you getting frustrated with Pete? I think that's where you both peel the, you know, peel the layers of the onion back. Cause I, I'm the same way. I can get frustrated with people and that's a hard thing for me because when, um, you know, when I bear hunt 90% of the time I'm hunting because, you know, somebody else is letting me hunt with them. And, um, when I get to an area, I re I, I have to remind myself that I'm, I'm the guest here. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go to Taswell, I'm hunting with McBride's down there and I'm, I'm their guest. It's all public property mm-hmm. and I could go down there and, and run through it and stuff. And there wouldn't be a problem. I don't think they would even care, but for me, you know, um, I don't want to just know if my dogs can pack a bear. I want to know if they can start a bear. I want to know if they can run a bear. I want to know if they can catch their own bear. So a lot of times it, it causes me to go. The best thing that happened to, to us last year was when you told me to take the low, low trail down through that country, mm-hmm. you know, and I like doing that. I like being off by myself with me and my dogs and not getting, not getting out of pocket or going into places where, people can help me or trying to be, you know, exclude people. But for me personally, I need to be, I need to go places and do things with just me and my, my dogs to really evaluate what I got. If I, if, if I'm walking through somewhere and it's like, Hey, I'll walk with you and I'm going to take a couple dogs. Well, then I can't really evaluate what I got. You know, did my dog do that? Did your dog do that? What is the combination? Yeah. So, so at times that's, that's where I get sideways about some stuff and maybe look like, uh, I'm trying to, trying to be a, a single, single man operation. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. I'm just trying to evaluate what I got. And I can't do that if, if I got 12 other people around me trying to, you know, going with me. Yeah. And th- I mean, that's just it. You can't evaluate your own dogs when you're run you, when you've got ten other people. You can't. You just can't do it. You have to get all. Right. And I've told I've told all the guys that I hunt with, and I've all, I've told them all. You know, the only way to find out what you got is you're gonna have to get off by yourself some, and you're gonna have to yeah. you know do that. And I think one of the things that really frustrated me during the early season was, you know, again back back to the dog. I know what my flaws are in my pack. I, I know, and mm-hmm. I know. And I think it's because of the level of experience and training that I have that I'm very, I try to be very smart about how I use those dogs. 
Like it's like playing chess, you know. Okay, so yep. I got these two. I, I'll add this one, or I take away this one. I put this one on the lead, you know, vice whatever it is. And then I, you get out here, and everybody else is just, um, you know, just kind of running at muck, and they don't have a clue. They don't know. And I'm just sitting there scratching my head, and I'm like, well, if you don't know, why are you doing it? Like, why would you turn dog X loose if you don't know mm-hmm. and use X as that start dog. And that's just, an, I mean, I'm just putting that out there. It's not, I mean, so that's what, I think that's what really frustrated me is about, you know, also being smart and, um, upping your chances, making, making your chances better by being a smarter hunter. Um, and then, you know, go back to, you know, everybody looks at dogs differently. Like I said, you've had this conversation, Man, when we go test dogs, and I take, you know, I usually take one or two other people with me because that's the way you should do it. And mm-hmm. you come back as that group and you start collaborating. You're like, man, it's there's a lot of difference going on here, you know. And and in hounds, you know, I see it in hounds. Um, and this has been my philosophy for a long time. And Ariel and I had this conversation here uh, within the last couple of weeks. You know, if you don't treat it and you don't see it, you don't know. That's just the way it is. I can guess yeah. and I can assume and I can say, yeah, my dog had a bear. But unless I treat it or catch it or see it, I can't be 100%. And sometimes even at that, I'm not 100% because I know my dog's left out of their own junk or was running junk. And the next thing I know, two hours later, they're, they're underneath, sitting underneath the bear. Hey, too bad there aren't competition bear hunts. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you trash out of here on junk and fall off on a coon and be deep and lonely. Yeah, I mean, yep. my dogs have done, especially last year, I know for a fact one time that um, they were running junk, Spook and Kate were running junk, and they, they split up. And that's when it kind of, I was like, mm, this ain't right. Because uh, they stayed together pretty good. And Kate dropped off and come down low and come come into a creek. And she started going up the creek. Well, Spook made a big loop and come back up that creek right in behind her. And anyway, she they, they ended up pulling up treed. And so you tell me how she drops off the mountain, hits the creek, starts going up the creek. He makes a half a mile loop in there, comes in right behind her, and they both end up on a bear. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. in my mind, I'm just being realistic. It didn't happen. One of them, one of them switched. One mm-hmm. of them switched over, and they ended up tree. It, it was a little bear too, it wasn't a big bear. Um, but yeah, even sometimes when they're they end up on the right game, you still don't know. You know, you still don't know what what took place in between. But back to the 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 conversation, you know, everybody sees something so differently, and my expectations of my dogs are high. And they should be. I want to. I want to hold a standard. I want the dogs to perform a certain way and do certain things. And I accept that mistakes will be made. Got that? It's going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, and it goes back to what you said. But when you're running, you know, when you're running, you know, with you know five, six, seven, eight other people, it's hard to pick out what your dogs are doing and what they're not doing. And it's hard. It's especially hard to fix it in that time of chaos. And that was something that I think hit me like you know, that early kill is like I can't 
I can't clean some of this up right now because there's just too much going on. And if I give yeah. my dog an opportunity, he's going to do, he's going to end up, he's going to end up somewhere else or with somebody <clears throat> else's dogs or, or vice versa. Well, that, that, that brings me to another thought, you know, and something that I've considered in myself. Cause I, I, when I was training competition coon dogs, I was a hard guy to hunt with. You know, if you, if you wanted to come and hunt with me, I wasn't very tolerant. I, I burned my own kids out because I was so driven um, to have good dogs. And I ran a lot of people off. And with this, the Western bear hunt, hunting guys, I've hunted out there and it's, it's more of an individual thing. You know, there aren't a lot of hunting groups. The hunting group thing is, is for bear is an Appalachian culture. And so when you step into that culture, you got to be tolerant because not everybody's expectations are going to meet my expectations. My expectations are going to be different. And you take the dynamic of the hunting group, man, there's guys that, that, that can run the radio or things like that. And you're glad to have them. You're glad to have guys that, that are happy to be out there and, and, um, you know, be willing to drive down on the road, next road down the mountain to cut your dogs off or to keep them from getting hit. Mm -hmm. You're thankful that they're not doing their own thing. So it's not that conversation for me, you know, complaining about hunting with other guys. That's not it at all. It's, it's, we, we, as hunters, we have to step back and realize that not everybody's going to have my expectations. And, and there's people out there that have much higher expectations than I do. There's no doubt about it. Um, my, my attitude about hunting's changed a little bit over the years, the, the types of dogs that I'll keep and keep, keep working with, uh, have changed a little bit and it's all about the journey. It's all about maturing and, mm -hmm. and things like that for me. So, um, I, I'm, I'm glad to have those guys that show up on the mountain. I mean, I hunt with guys in West Virginia. They don't even have a dog. They don't even have a dog box, but they've got a Garmin. They've got a radio. Yep. They want to be a part of the hunt. And man, we're glad to have them. There's a lot of times when we're glad to have them. Well, who's the guy, who's the guy there in Virginia that he's got a Toyota truck. He's got a dog box. He's got a radio. He's got a Garmin, but he doesn't own a dog. Clater. I mean, and, you Clater, know, yeah. and that's what I was going to say. You know, most of the guys in our, group will give that guy's an mvp there, there's yeah. days when that guy's the mvp he is um in fact he was uh that the uh, wesley and Forrest's and uh greg and hunter's dogs had a bear on the ground and they ended up crossing out of the area we were at and crossed over the mountain and ended up coming down to the hardtop and you know here the clater's sitting right there waiting on them i mean you bet um most of the guys in our group will give you the shirt off their back that's that's what kind of group i hunt with i mean they you will bet. do they will they will do whatever they can for you, help you go out of their way. I mean, my truck broke down back during training season. Transmission went out of it. You know, four spent all day. We went to he, him and Greg brought my dogs home. Um, we went and borrowed a trailer and a truck that forced his friend had. We went all the way back. I mean, an hour drive back up on the mountain to get the truck. Hauled it back to the garage. I mean, that's the type the type of people. That. You pulled that Chevy out of the mountains with the Ford, <clears throat> didn't you? With a Dodge. But let oh, me, my God. But let, me, let me tell you, old Chevy's back in business now. <laughs> <laughs> we got her fixed. Hey, them, boy, yeah. them boys running around with them Yoders, 
They give me no, a rough. No, the onions don't even go there. Yeah. We don't break down. Yeah, that's right. When you get three hundred ten thousand, we'll talk. That's why I told Wesley he keeps talk. He keeps running that yap. I said, when you get three hundred ten thousand <laughs> like this truck's got on, we'll have a conversation. <laughs> you bet. But you know that's that's the type of guys that I hunt with, and I mean we have such a good group, um, and it's a small group. I mean you know you've been here, and we do have yeah. we've got three or four guys that man the truck and and track for us. And I mean, you couldn't, I mean, I, I, this, that early kill season, a lot of things went through my mind and I enjoy hunting by myself. I can't, I'm, I'm selfish. I can't say that I'm not. I enjoy getting out with just my dogs and watching them work and watching them do what they're, they're, they're bred to do genetically and catching that game by themselves. There's no other joy. Like that's the highest joy for me. But also, but just, not everybody, but not everybody's there yet, Keith. Not everybody's there yet. Well, true. And and when we get, you know, the dangerous part of that is, for me, is realizing that my goals, somebody else's goals for the for hunting may be different than mine, and I have to realize that if I'm not getting the opportunities to do the things that I want to do. Uh, it's because of me. It's because I've caused that. You know, I haven't gone up this trail, and I've decided that I wasn't going to walk through this this area with my dogs. There's a lot of times where, you know, guys aren't real. If somebody just came off a 14 mile hike down the AT, they're probably not real crazy about going with my pot liquors <laughs> up up this holler, walking down through there. We'll sit out here and we'll support you. Yeah. But you know, so for me, it's like, okay, this is my time. Somebody's got this bear rolling. I'm not involved in it, but I need to be here to support them. Right. But when there's nothing going on, it's slack time. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to park here. I'm going to walk through, you know, let people know what you're doing. So it's just, it's, it's a developmental thing. It's a leadership thing. It's a, it's a character thing. You know, instead of sitting back and griping and saying, I can't test my dogs because I can't get off by myself. Well, yeah, I bet you can. If you yeah. if you want to, I bet you can. That's right. But what I was going to say is what I have learned, and you, you touched on it earlier, that, you know, when I was in my 30s, I hunted by myself 98% of the time. I had one or two other guys that, that was with me, and I mean, like, literally walking with me. But as I've gotten older, I can't, I can't, I can't cover the ground that I used to cover as quick. And I need those guys. Like I need, I need them to cut my dogs off when they cross two mountain ranges and I can't get out of the mountains fast enough to get around to them. You know, I, I need help. Um, and, and I'm blessed that again, the group that we hunt with is, you know, phenomenal. And I, I, like I said, I caught myself in the middle of a, an, an, interpersonal battle during that that early that early kill season um you had a conflict you had a conflict with yourself yeah is that what you're saying yeah i did um you know and i've i've talked myself I have those off, all the time i've talked myself off the ledge but back to the whole <laughs> you know back to the whole thing you know the, the back to the dogs and not being perfect and you know we have dogs that are more consistent and we have dogs that we rely on and we trust and you know as you're training a pack and as this journey because like we've said it you said it i've said it 
you know, it's a process. We're going to have those couple dogs that we can rely on. But those dogs of steel, if you're honest with yourself, they're going to have a flaw. You know, maybe it's not, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's not fast enough. You know, maybe it doesn't keep up with the, the your your front dogs. Maybe it doesn't have a good enough nose. Maybe it's got a medium nose and not a cold nose like you want. Or um, we've I've run into this twice um, here recently. You know, the dogs having grit. Uh, I don't I don't care. Oh my! Didn't um, bring that up, didn't you? <clears throat> and you know, the dog that got hurt was the dog that was on the fence with me because he wouldn't stay on a bear on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then he stayed for over two hours and got, I mean, got obliviated. He got crushed. Yes. Yeah. You know, I had an old, my old dog that passed away here a month or so ago, Jimmy. You know, she was a white dog. We all heard me talk about the white dogs. I'm not a fan. And she was as good as bear dog as they came. She had a medium when nose. I kennel, all I see is white dogs except for old Mac. <laughs> well, they got brown and black <laughs> on them. They're not solid white like the ghost. <laughs> um, you know, but she was the same way. She caught as many bears as any dog that I've had, and she was fast, super fast, um, medium-nosed. But if a bear got to chasing her, she'd come out. You know, she'd come out. So, you know, if we look at our dogs and we look at that, you know, perfection like the the dog's gonna have something that you don't like you know yeah ring we and this well, this is what brought this up go ahead i was gonna ask you this because or mention this so you know i've been having that i've been suspicious of the same thing with diablo uh and you've also seen diablo take tracks and carry him and and be right there with with every other dog. So there's times when he can look like a million bucks when he strikes a, a bear or, you know, we get on a bear, he can look like a million bucks, but I I'm suspicious that on a, on a walking bear that, that when it turns around, and looks at him, if he doesn't have the right backup with him, then he's going to peel. And he may not, he may peel without the right backup. I don't know, but, but that's, that's the value of hunting with other people with solid dogs. Um, I gotta, I gotta find something to run with with Cajun mm-hmm. that's got a little more stick because Cajun's going to end up getting crushed himself. He's yeah. he's getting down in there by himself, and now you know he's a lone ranger against a, a rough bear, and that's that can be dangerous too. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, I'm always looking, I'm always evaluating. Yeah. What do I need? How can I be more successful? Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole conversation that um, that brought this up was, you know, Ring. Uh, Wesley was talking to me about Ring. And, mm-hmm. um, again, Ring has treated more bear than any dog that I've had, solo. Solo. I mean, dog didn't need no help. Um, but, man, you're talking about a problem dog. <laughs> um, not in the yeah. pen, not in the kennel, you know, easy, easy around the house. Um, but you talking about a hard headed SOB, like, <laughs> you know, like I told you, I can't tell you the times yeah. that I've dropped him off the tailgate to, to collar up dogs and let them clean out. And he's up on, he's, he's, this is back when we had the beep beep collars. If I had a Garmin, I could have fixed a lot of the stuff. Of course, I know more now than I did then too, but like he'd be, he'd be almost out of hearing and you hear him open 
and he'd top over a mountain and you'd go chase him around the rest, you know, for however long yeah. and, he'd, and he'd be treed. You know, I can see how that could be a problem. <clears throat> you, you stop in the mornings, let everything clean out. You're calling him up. And it's like, where's ring? Where's ring? He's yeah. causing stress. Even though you know that he's going to go do what he needs to do, that's not helping the dogs that you want to get exposure to. You're still on the tailgate that you haven't collared up. I can't tell you the times that that happened to me with him. I can't tell you the times that, um, you know, free casting him, be walking him, and all of a sudden he's gone. Like you ain't if you didn't if you didn't keep an eye on him, like literally an eye on him. If you didn't keep an eye on him, he'd slip out of there and he'd be gone. And he, yeah, it's you know, almost like they do it to you. Yeah, it's like uh, he's looking at another dog. I'm gonna slip off. I'm gone. And I mean, and I, we're looking for that opportunity. Yeah, and I can tell you a story when he was young. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, he's the trashiest dog I owned for a long time. I spent more nights sleeping in my truck trying to keep him off roads, running coyotes, than any dog that I've owned. I mean, period. <laughs> I mean, now it's just a fact. Yeah. Um, but he, um, I walked out to AT where we hunted last year, and I had, I had Bell and Clyde, my two blue dogs. I had a dog named Smokey and Ring, and Ring struck early in the morning and took off bell went up checked him come back i know it's not right and i kept on walking i just let him go and we walked i don't know we was three or four miles in bell strikes turns left-handed crosses down a holler well clyde's with her and then out of the blue here comes ring out of nowhere crossing right where right where they struck and down through there they went. I packed in Smokey, and they run all the way back to where my truck was at and parked and treed within 200 yards of my truck. But yeah. that was the stuff that he done that absolutely just infuriated me. And as he got older, he he done less and less and less and less of it. Um, but those first two and three years, I mean, I can't tell you the times that I contemplated selling him. Um, I can't tell you the times that I wanted to kill him. I mean, like, I was up, I was up, I camped, I stayed in a shelter on the AT up Stony Creek one night, listening to him run on that mountain, and every time i get close to him, he'd shut up and go on, and every time i get close to him, i just finally quit, and I, go, I went down that shelter and just sat down, and like, you know, one of my best dogs, I mean, I'm telling you, one of my best dogs yeah. was a problematic dog, problematic, now he got better mm-hmm. as he got older, but... I mean that that was ring. Well, what made you keep him? Let's get to you know what made you keep him. Why why did you say I'm gonna hang in there with him? Because that's that's one thing that that I've struggled with in the past. It's like, man, this dog is where I want it to be, but I'm gonna hang in there with it, or should I hang in there with it? Or they, you know, you'll see people say, oh, I'll make another one every, you know, they they make them every day. What was it about ring that made you hang with it? Well, a couple things. I was too young, dumb, and poor to buy another dog. Yeah. Um, the, I seen flashes of greatness in him. I seen him take bear and run bear and tree him by himself through a pack of dogs. Mm-hmm. And I just, I felt like that I could fix it. And it, yeah. at that time, looking at it now at that time, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I just kept turning him loose because I didn't even have a shocking collar at that point in time. I had to borrow one. We had the old beep beep collars, and I'm telling yep. you the miles that that dog put on me. Um, 
And I, even we were in Canada. I told you, I think I, I said this on a podcast. We were in Canada, and he went in there and treed through a swamp, and we we trudged that swamp in there, and he was treed, slick treed. And Rodney uh, Galusha was with Ooh. me, and Rodney's like, I'd shoot that thing. I'd shoot him. And I, I went home. I probably told you the same thing. Well, yeah, and that was, that wasn't that was just one of several of those. And I had went to New York on my way from Canada. Like I come back down and hunted with Anthony and Bob, and we were sitting up on a cliff. And I had went to him treed over there on a big lake, and he was slick treed. And we got back up to the top of the mountain, went sit down, take a break. And Anthony's like, "What are you gonna do, Heat? What are you gonna do?" I'm like, "I don't know." And Bob's like, "You're never gonna break it, dog." I said, "I know. I don't know what to do." And I almost, almost come home and sold him. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I was that close and I don't know why I didn't at the time. Cause I was so, so frustrated with him. Yeah. And it was that year that we had snow on the ground pretty much the whole December. And I was just putting him in track, putting him in a track, putting him in a track. And that's when he flipped. That's when he made his change. Um, but again, I was putting him in bear track after bear track after bear track. It, I wasn't giving right. him a chance to go out and run junk. Um, right. Looking at it now, um, which I do have done a lot with him, he was still junky. I still had some junk races that at the time I didn't think I did, but now looking at it, I definitely did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I didn't have money to buy another dog. You know that Frosty had died. Frosty had lymphoma and ended up dying during that period, and I was almost at the point of quitting. Like when Frosty died, it it hurt me. Um, like yeah. he, I was attached to him. He was my first true, and I and I don't want to say bear hound, but he was my first true dog that treed bear by himself, um, and that's why I ended up getting Bell and and Clyde and a couple other dogs because I didn't have nothing. I didn't have nothing at that time. I had Frosty. Literally, I went to the bear woods with one dog. <laughs> that's what I had, and yeah. I took a bunch of coon dogs that I had with me, but they never panned out. Um, but yeah, I just I mean didn't have no money, didn't know no better. Um, and I thought, I thought that I could fix it. And in my mind, when that year, and that was, that was 2006. So ring was 2004, 2007 is the year that he flipped. Um, and after that, it was just, we just clicked right along. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. I, know, I know I had other, I know I had races and stuff, but like I said, that was one of my best dogs that I've owned. I mean, when it come to catching bear, now he he done it, and he if he had yeah. company, fine, and if he didn't, fine. I mean, it didn't matter to him. Right. He was not um, he was not a type of dog that was gonna get hurt. Um, he'd stay, he'd walk a bear all day long by himself, but he'd stay back. Um, yeah, tremendous tree dog, big 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 mouth on him, big ball on a track, switch over to a big ball chop on a tree, um, fast. Dog had, and Maddie, Maddie's even asked me that. She's even asked me, she's like, Dad, do you think um, Ring could run with Spook? And I'm like, yeah, you know, he could. I mean, he he was a fast dog. Um, mm-hmm. And he had that, He again, the hard-headedness for him. I mean, he would run about, he would run, he was one of those dogs. <clears throat> and I, I think I told you this here a couple of weeks ago, what I was looking for. He was one of those dogs that you had to go get. He wasn't stopping. He wasn't stopping yeah. until he fell out. 
and I do literally mean fall out. You had to go get him, and that's part of that hard-headedness I thought was in him. So, yeah. But that brought up the whole topic of, you know, the perfect dog, and we got to talk, Wesley and I, we got to talking about Ring and got to looking at his um, success, what he ended up being, and, you know, I was like, you know, Wesley, he – he had and Wesley hunted with me when he was Ring was two years old. I mean, Wesley can tell you everything about him because he hunted with me and yeah. the problems that I had. So that that brought up the topic. That's kind of why we uh, wanted to talk about it. As you know, even some of our best dogs have flaws or holes in them, and some have some have more than others. Um, I've been with some really good dogs in the woods. Some really good dogs that are rough. You know, if you mm-hmm. want, if you want to look at that perfect dog, you know, dogs catch bear by themselves. Bear, you know, they they're they what you consider a bear dog. But then at, at the end of the day, they had a little bit of illness about them. Mm-hmm. You know, is that a problem for 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 me for you? I mean, you got to look at what you know what your goals are and what you're looking for. And um, yeah, I just I just don't think a perfect dog exists. I think we have some really 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 consistent dogs. What's your thoughts? Yeah. I, I think you've got to find something that's consistent. you got to see. Uh, <clears throat> I've said this about that Yog Terry that I picked up. You know, people are like, ah, what are you going to do with that little thing? Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. I, I know he's going on some tracks now. I know he, he's he's trying to do some of that stuff. Is he ever going to be run with Spook and Kate? No. So i got to find a spot for him. But the thing I like about him, is it everything he does? He does with a good attitude. You know, he's, he's a, and, and I like a dog that, that has just got a good attitude. It's mm-hmm. like, they don't remember the last, I want them to remember that, that they're not supposed to do stuff. Like when they run the last jump race, but after you get on them and you correct them, they come back to the truck. The next time you open the box, it's like, okay, what are we doing now? You know, that's the attitude I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, like that great quarterback that doesn't remember the last interception he threw, you know, it goes out there on the field. It's like, okay, this is a new series. We're going to do it right this time. And he goes out there with that attitude. He's not hanging his head. He's not kicking the dirt, uh, you know, pouting around. It's um, okay. I'm, I'm the, I'm the Nolan Ryan, you know, I just hit the last three batters, but I'm going to also lead the, lead the baseball world in the most strikeouts ever, yeah. you know? So, that's what I look for. And I think when you got dogs like that, that you need to hang with them and they can be frustrating. They can just make you want to pull your hair out, you know, but, but there's, like you said, and I've, I've used the same phrase of those, those flashes of greatness and being able to recognize what dogs I put my time into. And, and I think as we, as we become, we have some success and we have some failures, we know what we can work with, but I also think it's a personal choice uh, of what what you're actually looking for in hunting. Your goals for hunting may be completely different than mine, and I think we can all uh, do a lot of work to understand that everybody has different goals, mm-hmm. and you know, try not to be as frustrated as as what uh, we can be. I I I just. Find find the dogs that work for you. Stick with them, and and be tolerant of other people. And and nobody's going to hand you success. You've got to go out and find ways to make your own success. Um, 
your dogs aren't going to make you successful. Other people aren't going to make you successful. That's what I liked about the the interview you did with Alex last week was, um, you know, that guy just, he's like, I'm going to bear hunt. And he figured out how to catch bear. Mm-hmm. Go for it, man. That's awesome. I love it. I love stories like that. Yep. And he's done it on his own. Yep. Just, just talking yep. about attitude. I'll add this real quick and we'll, we'll cut this off. You know, I've kept, I've got a, I mean, I've got a dog right now that's mediocre and I've kept some mediocre dogs around. And the reason I've kept them around is they're not a problem. I don't have yep. to go chasing them down in the woods. They always find their way out. They're not, they're not causing me a problem and they, they run in tree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are they my quality? Are they my, are they what they're I'm never going to be your all-star, right? They're not going to be your all-star, but they are not causing me a problem. And if, if I need a dog to, to get in there and do something, they do it. And, um, you know, you were asking me about ring. It's kind of flat when you were talking about that. It kind of hit me with ring about why I kept him. Well, at the time, Frosty had passed away. Belle was just she she was just a year year and a half old, and she wasn't she was no she wasn't doing she wasn't training bear or anything at times. I was coon hunting her. She was junky as all get out. She'd run deer through two counties. Um, you know, I didn't have anything else. I didn't have anything yeah. else. So this is what I had to work with. I mean, this is what you got. So that was another factor with ring. But, you know, you're talking about attitude. Um, That means a lot. Like I said, dog's not a problem in the kennel. Dog's not a problem hauling. They listen extremely well. I don't have to go in the woods. I don't have to walk three miles in the woods to pick them up. Um, They find their way out. They always come out. They're always looking for you. Um, That is another thing that, that I look at. And I'm like I am I'm more I'm more than likely will keep you around if you're that style of dog, even though you're not a superstar. Right. Right. So well you look at you look at the greatest like look at Larry Bird or look at Michael Jordan. They didn't play with superstars. They never played with superstars. They they were superstars and, and but they there were four other people that had to be on the court to yeah. win. Yeah. You know, and and everybody found their spots, and and some of those guys, I mean, they're talented basketball players. Don't get me wrong, but but they weren't superstar level. They weren't Michael Jordan, Larry Bird level. Right. And uh, but but they they stayed on the team. Right. Yeah. And and that's what bear hunting's about. You know, that's why we run a yep. pack, and everybody contributes. All all the dogs have different attributes, and. Like I said, being smart, hunting smart, using those dogs to their strengths. Um, that's something that I find myself trying to do more and more and more instead of I give my, try to give myself the best opportunity for success. That's yeah. that's where it's at. So I used to I used to tell my guys um, when I was a supervisor, you know, it, they always felt like they needed to be perfect. And I'd sign every sign my signature on my emails when I would send them out is don't strive for perfection, strive for excellence. That's right. There's a difference, Mm -hmm. you know, don't settle for mediocrity, strive for excellence. You're never going to be perfect. That's right. Never. That's right. And when we accept that and recognize that we will become better. Yep. Yep. When you can get back to the truck and, 
like, man, what were those trashy dogs doing down there? And you just look at people and you're saying they were doing the best they can, you know? And, <laughs> and uh, they were giving it all they had. <laughs> they were doing the best they can. And you just laugh it off and you're not carrying your ego with those yeah. dogs and, and you're striving for excellence. You know, deep down inside, you got issues, but, but, uh, you're not let you accept responsibility for it and, and just roll with it. And that's hard for me to do. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing rocks in a glass house here, but it's because I know that I deal with it. And so that's why I'm, I'm aware of it, cognitive of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I can talk about it. Yeah. You know, me too. I mean, like I said, I, that's one thing that I try to do. I try to reflect and see where I'm at personally, professionally, you know, with my dogs. Um, I can't grow. I can't grow without it. I can't. And my yeah. goal is to be better, not better than anybody else, just better than I was yesterday. That's my goal. Yeah. yeah. When you accept the fact that you're and and become your own worst critic, then nobody else nobody else will be harder on you than than you can be on yourself. Yeah. So um and nobody's gonna get you where you wanna be except you. That's right. Strap your boots boots up and get after it. Yep, All right, Chris, I sure. think we've covered it. I think that uh sure did. we put enough out there for people to ponder and think about and you know, we had a good, uh, like I said, this is a whole different podcast. We had a had a good good training season. Um, I'll talk about it in another podcast, but, man, it was rough on me. <laughs> Trucks, <laughs> COVID, dogs, I tell you. But, yep. well, we're going to weather this storm that's, that's coming through, and we've had rain for a couple of days. And, uh, guys, we appreciate you listening. Um, we always appreciate the feedback. Um, we can't, we can't do this without you. Um, it's very important. Um, so we, I, I definitely appreciate, uh, you guys tuning in and listening to the journey and listening to me babble on about things for, for hours. Um, so. Yeah, I do. I do too, man. I, I, I appreciate, you know, this wouldn't be possible. Heath, Heath being on this podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our listeners. Mm-hmm. We've had, we've enjoyed some success through the month of September as a podcast and, um, uh, um, it w- none of this would have been possible if people hadn't have been tuning in and uh, watch our social media stuff. There's other ways that you can get involved and uh, help support this podcast and uh, shop for some of our gear. Go to our new website, oh yeah, houndsmanxp.com, and uh, you know we've got we've got a lot of new shirts and gear, and we're coming up with new designs and. And, you know, fly the colors out there. That, that helps support us and keeps us on the air. So, Yep. All right. Well, Chris, thank you for joining me this morning. I said I appreciate you filling in. Oh, it's always and, a pleasure, man. Yep. But, guys, on the journey, this is what we're about. Teach, training, and learning. Catch you guys in the next episode.